It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, this is LaMonica Garrett. I play the monitor in the CW Arrowverse universe. No crisis here. You are listening to Comic Book Central, where comic books come to life. Hello to all you comic book superhero and supervillain fans. This is Comic Book Central, where comic books come to life. I'm your host, Joe Stuber, and we are right in the middle of a crisis. Yeah, that would be the epic TV comic books coming to life crossover on the CW, Crisis on Infinite Earths. If you happen to be a fan of the CW Arrowverse shows, you know that each year they have those crossover episodes, typically with Arrow, The Flash, and Supergirl, sometimes Legends of Tomorrow. Well, last year, we all thought it was as big of an event as it could be with Elseworlds, But then that teaser came along and showed us this year's Crisis event. A character introduced in Elseworlds is now playing a major part in Crisis. The man who brings the monitor to life is my guest today, the incredibly talented LaMonica Garrett. He's going to be along shortly. LaMonica will also be playing the anti-monitor when the crossover continues January 14th. So we're going to talk about what's happened so far, maybe get a preview of what's to come. Suffice it to say... Yeah, spoiler alert is in full effect for this episode. We're going to be talking about a lot. If you're not caught up on parts one through three, well, you are going to find out some stuff today. Big show to get to. Let's not waste a moment. Check this out. Then I will be right back in crisis mode with LaMonica Garrett. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Born and raised in San Francisco, LaMonica initially thought he was destined for a career in sports. Now, while football was definitely a passion, the arts were important to him as well, and he would always find a way to perform. His talent as a linebacker took him to college at Central State, Ohio. He left college early to pursue a full-time career in the NFL, but when that didn't pan out as he would have hoped, he moved to L.A. to try to make it in Hollywood. He immersed himself in acting classes and started landing guest spots on shows like One Tree Hill, Parenthood, and CSI Miami. In 2011, he made his feature film debut with a supporting role in Transformers Dark of the Moon. Last year, during the Arrowverse crossover Elseworlds, LaMonica was introduced as Marnobu, a.k.a. The Monitor, a powerful cosmic entity that first appeared in DC Comics back in 1982 and was created by writer Marv Wolfman and artist George Perez. The comic-creating duo teamed up three years later for the groundbreaking 12-part series Crisis on Infinite Earths. That story is what the Arrowverse is bringing to life right now, and that is what we're going to be talking about today. 
Now, my guest today, he has been popping up all over the Arrowverse this past year. Today, he is making an appearance right here in the Comic Book Central lair. A big welcome to LaMonica Garrett. LaMonica, welcome, O Destroyer of Worlds. Hey, good uh, good to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I must be on an earth that escaped your notice. Uh, the, the skies over Columbus, Ohio, they are not red. Everything seems okay. I think, okay. like, did you miss this universe or what? The red skies? No, it's, uh, you still got a little bit of time. Oh, okay. A little bit of time, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I might be part four then, right? Yeah, we still got a couple of more hours left, so don't don't go looking up too uh, early, thinking okay. everything's done. All right. Well, for right now, I think we're okay for the next little bit. Uh, congratulations yeah. on two major CW crossovers. That's uh, like how big is that? It's it's huge. It's uh, I mean, you know, this train's been moving for so long, uh, the Arrowverse, and to be able to jump on board, you know, at this point of it and have an impact is like it's it's pretty special. Okay, I can usually guess how successful these things are going to be by gauging my wife's reaction to them. Um, if she's invested in the characters, like if she's not, she's probably you know looking for something on her phone or doing something. But if she starts yelling at the TV or the movie screen when we're watching something, I kind of get a sense it's going to blow up big time. Here's the thing. We're watching Crisis this week, and she goes, okay. Yeah. She looks at me, she goes, okay, the monitor. What's up with this guy? Is he a good guy or is he a bad guy? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay. Yeah. What's up yeah, with that, them? That means we're winning. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, you know, he's overall he's a good guy. He just he just goes about it in his own way of doing things. His ways aren't our ways, and that's what we have to remember. Is but, he, uh, okay. Yeah. Is he a good guy like Lex Luthor thinks he's a good guy? Like he says I'm the hero. Like, is it one of those deals where like you have to think as the actor playing them, like you have to approach it as I'm doing something for the for the good of humanity or whatever he's trying to save as many universes people as possible and if you have to break a few eggs to get there oh. he's okay with that i knew you were gonna and, go and with the eggs analogy <laughs> you know and that's it, it, it's a it's a harsh way of putting it but wow. he's been around for like millennia wow. so it, it's hard to uh fathom how he looks at you know how he how he gauges everything and looks at it so wow. it's, you All know right. for us each each life is precious for the monitor the multiverse is more precious than one than one or two lives yeah but it's more than one or two like you took out earth 90 yeah that was a little harsh <laughs> but hey you know <laughs> okay i've had john wesley ship on the show quite a few times um i think if i'm not mistaken you were the first actor who got to appear alongside him as he brought the Flash from Earth-90 back. Is that correct? Yeah, and that's probably was uh, when people ask me what are my most memorable or favorite scenes that I've worked on or I've shot. To me, that was one of those moments where, like, I'm standing on top of this mountain. Mm -hmm. Flash from, you know, the 90s is right here. John Wesley Ship. I was a fan back then. I'm a fan now. Okay. So you, I was going to ask you that. Did you watch the show back in the day? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. My, one of my three favorite moments of this crossover was when they went back in time with his show oh. and they showed that when he was on the treadmill. Mm. That, that was unreal. I, I called the producer up, right? Because I saw that, uh, that, you know, they showed me some rough cuts and stuff before it, before it came on TV. Okay. And when I saw that moment, I hit up Mark Guggenheim like, yo, 
are you guys kidding me right like that was insane people are going to lose their mind with that and in that moment where he it's like a 30-year window where that character's story comes to an end yeah you know what i mean like yeah. it's just, oh i know there's no yeah it was I'm looking at my TV guide from 1990 with John Wesley Ship on the cover. So yeah, you're talking to the right guy. Yeah, and then to come back full circle 30 years later. Yeah, I'm sure if you ask John, would he, you know, 30 years from now be tying up this story? He would have been like, "Are you kidding me?" Like, no, that that ship has failed. Yeah, literally. No, <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> John Wesley's ship has sailed. Well, okay. So, but yeah, I think Guggenheim's. Sailed, I think Guggenheim's gone on record as saying that they thought of that in the editing. Like they thought of that little flashback um, to the original series. So, like, was the first time you saw it was when we saw it when it aired. No, it was you had uh, a little preview like after like a a couple of rough cut editing. Okay, so you had a little preview before we did. Oh, that had to be mind blowing. Yeah, just mm. just like maybe a, a week and a half, not not much. All right, but uh, yeah, and I told him like that that was easily one of my favorite moments. That's amazing uh, of crisis. Yeah. I, I spoke with John in August, and he mentioned he was not too thrilled that you got to flick him away with a wave of your hand. He he wanted something, you know, back in Elseworlds. Uh, he wasn't too happy about that. Um, I, I just see that. Yeah. Uh, too bad you weren't able to <laughs> flick your wrist and bring your primal castmate, Nicolas Cage, into the Arrowverse. Have you ever thought about doing that? How awesome would that have been if he was, uh, if he was like another world Superman? Did, was that a could, That like was almost that. a thing, right? Yeah, I think that they were trying to make that happen. Like, they had huge... Mark and them, they said they had, like, these huge ambitions, and they went after a ton of them and got a lot. So what we're seeing, you know, unfold on television is like a... It's, you know, Disneyland for adults if you love comic <laughs> books in this DC world. Yeah. But they had even more they went after, and just some of it doesn't pan out for, yeah. you know, a multitude of reasons. But did you, is Nicholas yeah, Cage, that would have been awesome. you got him on speed dial? Like, do you, like, when you texted Guggenheim, can you text Nicholas Cage the same way or not? Yeah, I can. I didn't know that was even yeah. in play back okay. when they were going after him, because I, I would have called have done him it. favors or, okay. I didn't tried at least, yeah, I didn't even know that was a thing until right. I read about it later on. All right, we're going to dig more into your time in the Arrowverse in short order here. But first, as a kid growing up in San Francisco, uh, you spent your time, most of your time, in a different universe, right? A sports universe? Yeah, yep. All right. Football. You, yeah, Football, you played linebacker? Baseball, all that, yeah. Did you play linebacker? Yeah, yep. All right. Are you still a football fan now? I'm a huge fan now, and this is a great time to be a 49er fan. All right. Well, we're, we're good because I'm a Steeler fan, so we're, on the, we're, in, the, we're in separate universes. Yeah, right you're now. In the hunt. yeah, you guys are in the hunt still. Quite so far as we record this, yeah, it's 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 okay. Um okay, you were <laughs> <laughs> you were named after uh Daryl LaMonica, the mad bomber? Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. How was that who okay, how'd that come about? So uh, like your dad was a fan, I'm guessing, of the Raiders. Yeah, was the Raiders Pops was a, he was a Raiders fan. They mm-hmm. left uh they left Mississippi, they came to the West Coast. And like back then the Mad Bomber was like Brady. You know, in the early seventies, yeah. he was everywhere. He was he was the man, up, especially in the Bay Area. That's all you heard about. Yeah. So they were like, "Hey, you know, when I came around, I got the name." But so as... I'm, I'm keeping the tradition going. <laughs> I just had a son. I just had a son uh, two weeks ago. Oh, congratulations! And, 
Oh, thanks, man. And my son's name is Montana. Oh, <laughs> wow. What you could have called him? Even it, you could have called him going. Bradshaw, maybe. No, right. could have called him Bradshaw. Nah, uh, Lynn something. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> okay. Here's here's something I thought was pretty cool. Um, you had a moment of clarity early on, though, right? Um, I, I was reading up a little bit about your your sort of football career uh, back in junior varsity. Yeah. Okay. How did that? How did that time period of your life impact the person you are now? I think that it it was a good read redirection. It just helped me realize, like, I'm kind of responsible for a lot of things that happen to me, and you can't keep blaming other people for your own, you know, things that you keep putting yourself in, yourself in. And it just it it made me look at the accountability mirror, and I've been doing it ever since then. So. You had you had a wake up call early on, like you were. They were held. They held you back a little bit. Yeah. Well, they. I I transferred schools, and I was going to a better football program in the school that I came from. I was, you know, a pretty good star in that school, but I wanted to go to a better team. And when I got to that team, I was expecting my celebrity from the past school I was at to follow mm. me, and I didn't feel like I had to work as hard. So when I got there, I thought my accolades would speak for themselves, and then they left me back on the junior varsity. And I, I went there with a buddy of mine. He was also a really good football player. And he started on the varsity, started tailback, and I got left down in junior varsity. And as a junior in high school, like, you should be varsity in 10th grade, really. Mm-hmm. You know. But I was a junior in high school playing junior varsity, and I only played one year of varsity as a senior, and that was just like – it was – um you know, I don't want to say humiliating because it's not that bad. There's worse things to happen. But it was one of those things where the ego just was bruised every time I'm watching my friends play varsity. And I was the pregame watching them in the stands when I knew I should have been there talent-wise. But my attitude wasn't where it needed to be. But isn't that the fork in the road that you could have gone either way? You could have been bitter. You could have – that ego could have driven you in a different direction – but at a young age, you had a moment of clarity where you thought, okay, maybe maybe it's not all about me. Exactly. And there's people that you have that moment later on in life, and there's people that never have that moment, and it's always someone else's fault mm-hmm. when you're the common denominator in every situation. So at some point, you got to look in that mirror and hold yourself accountable, or you know, you're just going to keep finding yourself in these same situations and different experiences. You were also a comic book fan growing up? Yeah. What were you grooving oh, yeah. on? Like, So like, how young were you when you started reading comics? I, it's funny. My parents never were really comic book people, but like a lot of pictures I had growing up, like my pajamas were Ben Grimm, The Thing, <laughs> like Fantastic Four, uh, The Hulk, uh, you know, Wolverine. Coming up, I had some Captain America stuff, and then like DC stuff. It was always, it was Superman, it was it was Wonder Woman. Like I had everything. And then when I got a little older, like early teen years, I started. You know, that's like Justice League started coming on. Um, on the animated started yeah. coming on, and I started you know gravitating towards John Stewart and Green Lantern. Oh, and then I just got overwhelmed with like Green Lantern. You know, in that world of Oa. 
and that's all I've, you know, Green Lantern's probably my favorite, my favorite comic books and the series of, you know, everything in that world. Oh, how cool would it be if you got in the Arrow versus Green Lantern? Yeah, I mean, you know. Or on the, or a feature film. Or whatever. Just even just, I try not to um, have, I try not to expect things, or I try not to have an idea how things are supposed to turn out. Right, that's the junior varsity just, kid coming out. Right, I, we get that. Yeah, like I, right, because when you have an idea how everything's supposed to be, you're always going to be disappointed because it's never okay. going to be how you envision it to be. Right, but so you're in the WB it, universe, though. Like, do you do you put a bug in somebody's ear? Do you? I don't. Yeah, I. I uh-huh. give, you know, I get, uh, different interviews or if I'm talking <laughs> to different people, they could talk to me and see what my passions are. Yeah. And if that ever materializes, then awesome. But if it doesn't, <laughs> I just play the monitor and the anti-monitor and that's right. more than I would have, you know okay. what I mean? Uh, I do. So, I do. But we can do that. I, I can do it, right? I, you don't have to say it, but yeah, I can yeah, say it. I, I, I hope you say it. I hope I'll say it right now. I think you should then, be you know, Green Lantern. There it is. There it it's is. out there. <laughs> let's hashtag that universe. up oh man okay so uh try it out for some professional football teams was it lions and rams yeah and lions rams uh worked out the redskins yeah okay but the, that didn't work out so what like where did the acting like why do you go okay i'm not going to be uh an inside linebacker for the rams i'll be an actor i'll be well i all a musician. <laughs> like, I, always, I knew someone like I had two passions. You know, I did like drama stuff in high school. I did plays coming up. Like I, I was always around it and we had a rap group. So we were entertaining. We we're always like just doing stuff. I knew I wanted to be in entertainment and to some capacity, but football was right there in front of me and I've been doing it my whole life. Hmm. And I let me explore this first. And football really is that window where if you don't make it pretty much right after college, mm. it's already like a 1% chance that you do make it. Yeah. But when you're a year removed from playing college football, that 1% goes down to like a fraction. Mm. So it's a small window. If you hit it, then great. But if not, like you could become a good actor. You could be terrible at acting in the beginning and study and just, you know, dive both feet in year after year and at some point you're going to get better and you can grow into a whole different category in acting where football like you have these few years and that's it so i knew acting was there i just had to put the work in so move you know move to la and and pursued it man that junior varsity kid just keeps coming back in it just it's amazing how this weaves throughout your career um but not okay so i want to say like had experience with the cast of friends had experience with the cast of everyone loves Raymond has experience with the cast of ER early on, not acting experience. Though, yeah. Right? No, no, I was there. Uh, I was their FedEx uh, driver. You were the delivery guy. <laughs> I was the delivery guy. Yeah. Everybody wow. loved the FedEx guy. You had to be the Plenty most toward. ripped, most ripped, buffed, was, yeah. chiseled, uh, Adonis looking FedEx delivery guy ever. I was a big no neck having <laughs> like, you knew you were, it was one of those things when everyone had like, you know, when you had a route with all these heavy boxes, they give you like someone else to ride with you to help out because it's so much heavy stuff. Yeah. 
Like, yeah, no, you're good. Like, you, you got it. <laughs> like, I'm lugging 200-pound boxes around. Like, yeah. Oh, They abused when, me over there, but that's a whole okay. other story. But was it like that, that somebody – did somebody at some point go, hey, like like the old, uh, like, hey, kid, what are you what are you delivering packages for? You should be on the screen. Was it one of those deals? Yeah. Yeah, all right. No, I, I was hoping for one of those deals. Every day I went to work, and all that right. never happened. Okay. But yeah, but it was, you know, and all I right. was, you know, uh, like that's back when the Matrix was out. Yeah. And I deliver to, like, the Wachowskis. Like, it was, I was with all these executives, Mal Paso and Clint Eastwood. And oh, you wow. just hoped, like, hey, why are you doing these boxes? You know, we got a role for you in this next film. Joel Schumacher. Yeah. Like, in my head, you know, all Like a Marilyn Monroe thing. Play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that that didn't take. Okay, what was your big break? That, that, my break, I, well, I played slam ball as well. So, playing slam ball, uh, I thought slam ball was an audition. And I found out it was a new sport they were creating. And I still had those competitive juices in me. For, you know, I still wanted to play some kind of, you know, physical something. So I said, all right, let me play slam ball a few years, and then I can go back into acting. So with slam ball, we would go around the world. We, you know, we travel the country. We do a bunch of stuff, and it was fun. And One Tree Hill had an episode, a three-episode arc of slam ball on wow. their show. Look at you. So it was uh, <laughs> Joe Mango, Nick Lafferty. Like, they were slam ball players on, on, um, on One Tree Hill, so they needed – an actual slam ball player to oppose those two guys. Oh. And they were about to have auditions. I'm like, I can do this. <laughs> like I've been in class. I can do like, let, give me this. Like, yeah. trust me, I can do this. And they, uh, you know, um, they let, they let me come in and audition. I got it. And that was, we shot those episodes. And at that moment I came back home. I told them I'm done with slam ball. I was in class full time. Like I got that taste of being on set and yeah. working and, out in North Carolina, like that's what I need to do. So yeah. I stopped all the extracurriculars and and just worked my butt off. And you did, man, you did. What? Well, serendipity, man, that just worked out. And you had so many different roles, but man, the one we want to talk about now, the Arrowverse. You okay? This is crazy. Um, you're in all the Arrowverse shows, so there's that. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. First of all, do you have a favorite of the shows? And I know, I know. Look, the, uh, you just had a, a baby two weeks ago, first child, right? Yeah. Okay, so if you have like eight kids. It'd be like me asking you, like, who's your uh, Lamonica? Who's your favorite kid? I get it. Like, right, right. Every parent has a favorite kid, but no parent will tell you who the favorite kid is. But as an actor, <laughs> I'm going to ask you, Lamonica, what's your favorite era of our show? Well, I I have a couple of favorites for different reasons. Mm. If I was living in Vancouver, no, one. And I had no, 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 be... I'm not, I'm not, no, no, I'm not letting you get away with that. You got to pick one. Well, you got to get, you got to pick one. I'll give you two. It, it'll be, it would be narrowed down to arrow or flash mm. for one selfish reason, because where I lived in Vancouver, those studios were closest and right. Supergirl and Batwoman and, Legends were far yeah, out from right. like downtown. But it's Arrow, right? So, but, it, but it's Arrow, right? Yeah. All right. <laughs> I, I, hey, you know what though? Uh, I don't. This is a fun fact. Eight years ago, I auditioned for Arrow, and it came down to me and David Ramsey for the role of John Diggle. Oh, did not know that. Eight years ago. 
And does he know that? And no, we were there together. We were sitting in the lobby. Right, but does know. he know that now? I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. After, after the audition, he was already in a well-established working actor. Right. And this was my first, like, you know, there's a testing process that, yes, that takes place, you know, for all these shows and right. movies and everything. And the test was, I, that was my first test. That was like me new to everything. So right. the test was, and this is old school testing where you go to the CW network and there's like, you know, 50 suits, they're stadium seating. They're all taking their notes and it's like <laughs> it's a like operation situation. <laughs> like surgery. Yeah, yeah, it was like, it was, it's a nerve wracking situation for any actor. I don't care who you, and, and Ramsey was there just cool as a cucumber. Yeah. Just, you know, hanging out, legs crossed. Just, and I'm sitting there like sweating bullets, like, uh, and he could see like, this was, you know, I got this. Like one of my first experiences. Yeah. And after it was over, we both did our thing. We came out and we kind of walked out together. He was like, he gave me some advice and I'll keep that advice between me and him. But oh, the advice okay. he gave me on that day helped me for the next test. And it helped me like get my feet in the ground and start working in, in Hollywood. Can you give us like, a, a hint? Him. Can you give us a hint as to like the tone of the advice? Not necessarily exactly what he said, but like maybe the spirit of the advice. Uh, basically, these tests they're like just take the pressure off yourself they're just after a while they're just another audition mm, okay like you had great auditions to get here this test don't even worry yourself wow. for that capacity like it's, wow. it's it's just another audition just more wow. people there wow that's the the general what he said and i took that with me and then i i started working from you know the next audition and the next test and the next yeah so and then you know i see him like a year later and we've changed numbers and we've been cool ever since then so to come full circle from yeah. eight years ago, sitting down with Mark Guggenheim and then back then for Arrow to the guy that kills the them all. There when, <laughs> they, well, yeah, like, you know. But it's eight years later. Like that's just yeah. unreal to me how oh. things work. Like I wouldn't have, if I had an idea how things were supposed to be, it wouldn't have been this. All right. And I couldn't be happier with how everything has turned out. Like, I, you know, I had to learn what I was doing in the process to get to this point. Right. And 10 years from now, I'll probably be doing something else big and fun. And I'll be talking about my time in the Arrowverse. Feels like some method so acting. Like Feels growth. like some method acting. Yeah, we're all, <laughs> you know, we're all students. We're all, you know, it's, uh, were, yeah. Were you familiar with the 12 issue limited series Crisis on Infinite Earths? Oh, Definitely. Okay, because oh, yeah. it's pretty I, convoluted. I back in the day. Okay, yeah, but it, there's a lot going on. I reread it once I knew I was going to be the monitor. I went back and reread Crisis, and then when I found out I was going to be the anti-monitor, I went back and reread it again. Like it was, you know, you read it for for specific things, and then for you know for the monitor, and then they told me like midway through uh, the season that I was going to be the anti-monitor. Oh wow, you kidding? Wow. So I had to go back and reread it through those goggles. What, okay, it's, but it's what did you pick energy. up for both? Just more research. Like with the monitor, it wasn't just Crisis I read. It was um, it was going back to see when he made his first appearance. What was his energy? Why was he doing these things? And Teen Titans, you know, he was like a, a weapons dealer to, to you know, um, bad people. Yeah, he came he out like years around. before. No, they planted that seed years earlier. 
Yeah, so it's like I didn't know that before. Yeah. So me going back and doing research for crisis was like, oh, wow. Okay, so and it's funny when people say that, oh, is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? Like you said, your wife, like what's his deal? Right. Um, that's what he was in the comic books. Yeah. Like, he, you know, he wasn't this altruistic, just nice guy. He was doing, you know, bad things for a greater cause. And at the end of everything, you kind of realize like, oh, wow, he was really trying to help. But you had to get to that point. He was trying and to help in his own way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, yeah, it's, it's, it's in his own way, but yeah. help nonetheless. And then you realize with the anti-monitor, it's just, he's just evil. Okay. Like did, he just wants... Right. That's pure evil. Did you have questions for the producers at, from an acting standpoint? Because they're obviously going to tweak the comic a bit. Did you have questions for the producers for both of these roles? I did. And this is really before I knew I was going to be the anti-monitor. I had questions about the monitor. Like I would uh, text Mark Guggenheim. And, you know, because pretty much the whole time he never showed really a lot of emotion and it was just business to him. So I'm like, just me trying to, you know, put more layers into him and more colors and more, a well-rounded, you know, individual. And, you know, Mark was like, no, he pretty much, he doesn't show anger. He doesn't show this. He doesn't show that. So I'm like, all right, you know, there's a moment for that. There's a time when he will. And in crisis, it happens. But for generally speaking, throughout all the shows where he's making these appearances, he didn't have those moments. And I think saving that until crisis made it a bigger payoff to see that vulnerability in him when you've never seen that before. You're a comic book fan. You read Crisis. You know these characters. I don't know if you know this or not, but now you are the monitor in the comic books. Yeah, that was kind of, that was surreal. You know what I'm talking that, about. That was, yeah, the the giant coming out in, uh, this month. Right. I go to Walmart. Walmart yeah, I go to Walmart to pick up like some, you know, health and beauty aids and like, you know, a bag of oranges or something. And I can, I can get LaMonica Garrett as the monitor in a comic book. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> That's unreal. Like, and, that, and, and that goes back to what I was saying. If I had an idea how things were supposed to be, I wouldn't have thought that. I wouldn't have. Right. I sit back, you do the work, and let things blossom around you, and you're pleasantly surprised all the time, and it's just a great place to be in. I would have never thought I'd be in a comic book. And working alongside Marv Wolfman and, you know, like, yeah. Guggenheim writing it, monitor. Wolfman writing it, yeah. yeah. That, you're it's the guy. Insane. Wow. That's amazing. Um, you're, you're, you're ripped. You're chiseled. We talked about this. You work out. You hit the gym. Um, we, yeah. we can't tell that in your costume, though, right? Does that? <laughs> that's no, little, I'm, I'm covered up. That's a, is the costume's a little tricky. Yeah. Yeah. The costume, it's, uh, and like I said, it was aesthetics first with that because it's not comfortable. It covers everything up and it's after a while, like the cape is like 10 to 12 pounds. So you're in that, the whole outfit, eight to 12, 15 hours. You don't realize how it's just compressing your back, your lower back until you take it off and you could barely sit down. Like that cape was the bane of my existence. <laughs> And then the anti-monitor suit, it had a whole different kind of um, discomfort. 
that was different than the monitors, but it was, you know, both of them weren't fun to be in, but you all, you know, you know, it's, it's temporary. It's not going to be, you know, I'm not doing this for seven seasons and, uh, yeah, you suck it up and you, you knock it out. Okay. I got to ask you about recreating some of these iconic moments, uh, in the comic books, the narration, getting to say the words, Wolfman's words, uh, and then obviously, Unreal. and closing out with the death of the monitor. Um, you just tweeted it out as we record this. I think you retweeted this out. The, like you tweeted written. the comic book yeah. page out. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, and pardon me, when we were doing the death of the monitor, I was like, should I lay back and sprawl out like he did? You know, in the comic, in the comic book. Yeah, yeah. And wardrobe was like, like the, you know, they treated the monitor's <laughs> costume like it was had in line with gold plates and like you couldn't do anything with that costume. Like it was, it was the holy grail over there. So yeah. me laying backwards with the cape, laying, that, that wasn't going to happen. You did like a so kneel, the next like a, yeah, thing. like a kneel and lean forward. Yeah, yeah right. it was one of those, but I wanted to recreate that exact same moment. And if you notice, the only three people standing in that moment was Harbinger and Pariah and yeah. Monitor, just like in the comic book. That, and you've been tweeting out those shots, because those, like, you're tweeting those out as that little kid reading reading comic books, right? Like yeah. when you Like, you, you get to appear with these actors and actresses in these iconic roles, and we're watching your social media feed, and it's almost like... You're saying, guys, can you believe this is happening? Before I was an actor, I was a comic book fanatic. And and not just comic, like I was a fan of television and film. When I see actors or I'm about to work with uh, actors or whoever, and I've seen them, you know, I used, I grew up watching them or I'm really familiar with the work. Like, hey, man, I'm a fan of your work. First and foremost, now let's get to work. But I always tell people, like, if I, you know, I grew up loving their, their work, if they influenced me, like, I paid, you know, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of films, I'm a fan of television, and I'm a fan of comic books. So, yeah, I'm very vocal about it. I want to close out with questions that there's no way on the planet you can ever answer. Uh, part four, John Cryer stated that this is the favorite of his episodes. Can you tell us... I, I think you revealed in the in the Elseworld special. I think you revealed we're going to get some backstory, though, right? Can you talk about that? This is. I agree with John. This is uh, part four is my favorite as well. We're right. going to see uh, uh, some some backstory with Monitor and the Anti Monitor. Okay. So it's gonna it's gonna be really it's and to me it's uh, ah so much going on in that fourth episode. I don't. It's hard to, to ruin it. But I got to work with some people in that fourth episode that I didn't get to work with before. People we haven't and seen yet. People we haven't seen and people we have seen. Okay. And it's just, and it's, you know, it's a lot of, uh, you know, they show clips of the anti-monitor coming. So it's like I really got to explore some anti-monitor stuff in that in that fourth episode, but there's things with the monitor that I also explored that I was hoping that we'd get to tell, like some kind of story. Okay. And when I read the script, I was like, yes, 
it's happening. It's happening. Because they flip things around. Yeah. They have to flip things around from the comic book. Because if we we all read the comic book, we'd know the story. So, but I think there's a line in episode three where you say something about and you can tell me the line because you've memorized it, obviously. But it, what is it like? I something about regretting him coming into existence. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, I forgot what it was, but it never should allow never should allow right your creation in the first place. Right, that's yeah, exactly yeah. That, something like that. Right, so so it's you know, did the monitor have something to do with pulled, that? It, we'll see. <laughs> but like I'm saying, like there's a there's a, there's a there's a lot of uh, you know stuff pulled right from the comic books. Okay. But in order to make it, you know, on the screen, we had to deviate and do some things different here, pull back, add some more here. You know, to make it interesting, because the comic book, it's hard to just, you know, adapt it, everything from the comic book to screen. So we embellished in places and we scaled back in places, but it worked out amazingly well. And I think when people see it, their minds are going to be blown by episode four. Is it possible we'll see Psycho Pirate again? Ah, uh, I can't confirm nor deny, deny that. I've I, tried. I, you can't blame a guy for trying. <laughs> uh, look, you're, you play a supervillain on TV. Maybe you play a superhero. I don't know, depending on your point of view. You're definitely a superhero in real life. Can you tell us about the work you do with underprivileged youth? Yeah, I, um, I, there's some friends of mine that, um, like just growing up, I was one of the only not one of the only, but there were, there were very few of my friends that had both parents in the house. And my house was one of those. And I saw how it affected me. I saw there's a lot of strong single parent households, but it just helps having both parents in the house. So you try to do like big brother programs. You try to go out and try to, you know, show them things that they wouldn't necessarily see, um, have strong men in their lives or some kind of, you know, like not mentor, but just positive role models that they might not be around. So you just try to free yourself up to that in different situations. And especially in the inner cities, you know, that's, that's what it's about. A couple of big projects coming up. We've got clemency with the great Alfred Woodard and primal, yeah. as we mentioned with Nicholas cage, uh, two Hollywood heavyweights. Come on. Seriously. Yeah. Working with Nick was, uh, that was that was surreal, and we talked comic books too. He's a huge comic book guy. Yeah, yeah. Name his uh, kid Kal El. Are you kidding? Was, yeah, you named your kid Kal El, and you changed your name to <laughs> you know Nick Cage after From Luke, Luke Cage. Cage. There's there's going to be a lot to talk about comic book wise, and working with Alfrey on on clemency was oh. was unreal. Like she's you know she's your favorite actor's favorite actor. You know, like she's one of those been doing it for so long, and you saw you. Working alongside her, you see how she's been so successful and the time she puts into it and, you know, how meticulous she is with her, with everything she does with the craft. It's, it's, it's fun to watch and be around. We can look for those in 2020? Uh, Primal's out now on VOD and December 27th, Clemency will be in, Perfect. in theaters. Perfect. Oh. Man, right? Well, you got it all going, man. You're, you are the multiverse. You're everywhere, man. <laughs> oh, where can we find you on social media? You're on Twitter. You're out there. Yeah, Twitter and Instagram, Lamonica Garrett. Two R's, two T's. You got it, Lamonica. I hate to say it, but we are kind of glad you destroyed everything in existence, man. <laughs> it's, it's making yeah. for some great television. 
Yeah, it's, it's some good problems they have to try to solve later uh, on. It's a good cliffhanger to leave at it, too. It's going to be it. fun to watch. We love it. And can't wait for you to come back as the Anti-Monitor. Continued success. And thank you so much for joining me on Comic Book Central. Oh, yeah. Thanks for the interview, brother. Appreciate it. Crisis on Infinite Earths returns to the CW January 14th with Arrow and Legends of Tomorrow. Parts 4 and 5 will wrap it up. Can't wait to see what LaMonica has in store for us when he suits up as the Anti-Monitor. My thanks again to him for joining us on the show to talk about Crisis on Infinite Earths. You can follow him on Twitter at LaMonica Garrett. I will put that link in the show notes for this episode at my website, comicbookcentral.net. All right, that is it for today. Yeah, I think the skies overhead are starting to get a little red. I'm going to breach on out of here and head over to the vanishing point, wait things out a little bit. So I'm going to be gone for a little while. Going to take a break. Uh, If you're going to be doing some traveling in the next few weeks, be sure to take Comic Book Central on the road with you. Good time to catch up on some of those episodes you might have missed. Apple Podcasts, still the best way to subscribe to the show. You can also catch every episode at the website, comicbookcentral.net, Spreaker.com, iHeartRadio, Spotify, wherever the coolest podcast can be found. Don't forget to give the show a like on Facebook at facebook.com slash comicbookcentralnetwork and Twitter at comicbookctrl. Both places are where you can share the lair. Share this episode right now on Facebook. Retweet it on Twitter. Let everyone know this is the place for comic books coming to life. That's what we do here, and this is where the cool kids hang out. I will return to the lair January 11th. That will be right before Crisis Part 4. And here on the show, I will still be in crisis mode because next time on Comic Book Central, it is my Crisis Hotline special. Past guests from Comic Book Central return to the lair to talk about their time in this epic crossover. I'm working on some surprises right now, but I can tell you that you will be hearing once again from the supervillain who took out Kingdom Come Superman and became the paragon of truth. That's right, Lex Luthor himself, John Cryer. He's going to be back as part of my Crisis Hotline special, as will... Alexander Knox from Earth 89. That's right. Batman's 30th anniversary of the film. Robert Wool, he made that appearance in there. He's going to be back right here on Comic Book Central to talk about his appearance in Crisis. More guest announcements in the days ahead. So be sure to stay tuned to social media. Until next time, kids, keep watching those skies. Keep reading those comics. And thanks for joining me here in the lair. Comic Book Central, where comic books come to life. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of Comic Book Central. All of the content and names are registered trademarks and copyrights of their respective holders. It was foolish to try to stop me, Nobu. No, Mobius. It was foolish to allow your creation in the first place. Goodbye. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.